do you care for elderly parents? Do you want to get paid for it? And did you know that there's money to get paid for caring for elderly parents? I'm so excited about this topic. Today, we have Ugo. You are with Providers of Texas. And what I admire about you from the moment I met you is how passionate you are to help this underserved community. Welcome to the Loan with Jen podcast, your go-to weekly source for all you need to know about financing your home. Get ready for a no BS fact-driven journey. I'm Jen Hernandez. I've been a loan officer since 1995 with over 4,600 families financed to date. I love to simplify the most complicated loan questions, making them a breeze to understand. The ideas expressed here are my own opinions and should not be taken as legal advice. Thanks for joining. Let's get started. Yes, well, my name is Ugo Eziefle with Providers of Texas. Here, based in the Houston area. We provide services to all of Southeast Texas, basically Harris County and surrounding counties as well. So what we do is basically we provide caregiving services for those in need help with their activities of daily living in their home. Now, that could be someone who could be elderly. That could be someone that could be disabled. That could even be, um, in the coming future, we're working on that, um, even pediatric as well. But basically what we do is that if we know someone that's disabled or that's older and they have any type of diagnosis in any way, they could be high blood pressure, high cholesterol, heart rate, any, any type of diagnosis. There are programs available by the state, right, that would allow them to have a caregiver for them for an allotted hours during the week that is paid for by the state. How that works is the state will pay an agency, a home health agency like myself, and that agency will then hire a caregiver when it comes to administration, payroll, all that other stuff, hire a caregiver to come into the home and take care of those, um, what we call activities of daily living, which would be cooking, cleaning, hair and skin care, escorting to the store or might be doctor's appointments, assistance with medication, laundry, those activities like that. So a lot of times what they can do is that if a lot of times what I found is that family members or children are already doing this for their parents. They'll come by a few times a week to help out mom and dad, something like that. So what we do is we, we sound, I'm a big advocate of getting paid to do something that you're already doing. So it could be something that you're already doing because that's your family member, that's your mom, that's your dad, that's your aunt, uncle, cousin, it's something you're supposed to do. Now you can now be compensated for doing that thing as well. The state could, would pay the agency, which would now hire you as a caregiver hourly. So you could be paid hourly to take care of that loved one. And also, let's say that because you're taking care of that loved one, it takes time away from you doing something else. That's okay as well. What we can do is you can go do that other thing and we will hire a caregiver to come in to help with those tasks. So that could free you up to do other things. Because I've known people that um, unfortunately have had to reduce the hours, if not quit their jobs entirely, to take care of of their loved ones at home. So this could be a, a great respite or great lifeline to those that not only the client who needs the help, but also to the caregiver or the family member that might be helping them with those activities of daily living. Yeah, so my first question is, is there a limit? Is there a monetary limit per month for this? So what we found is whenever you're looking for these services, they do take in, 
into account your income and how much income the client, not the caregiver, but how much the client makes. So let's say the children are taking care of the loved one. They won't look at the children's income. They're looking at the loved one's income. They're looking at whatever income they might get. Now, what I've done is I've found creative ways or and you know good ways to still help people with these services, regardless of their income. But you know, everyone is a different case. Some people have to sit down and talk with them. There are different routes about going about it. They have to be okay with it. If they're okay with it, then we can go forward to doing it. It is for, they do look at the income. They make sure your income is the right income, but there are ways around that loopholes, if you will. They can still get those services, even if their income might not fit into that area. Is there a duration of time? Like as long as the person still has the diagnosis, the, the parent, let's say, then it's just ongoing. And, and I know it's it's per hours per week. Like let's say it's deemed that my parents-in-law, because they live with us actually, need 10 hours a week of care. So I'm assuming the amount is 10 hours a week times whatever amount. Yeah, so how it works is uh, someone from the state we call a caseworker would come in and do an evaluation of uh, your, your parents or the clients. They'll determine what they need help with. The more help they need, the more hours they get. Makes sense. The less help they need, the less hours they get. Once they determine that the number of hours that you have, they will then assign you to an agency. A lot of the times they'll, they'll have this big notebook or like this um, sheets of paper of all the agencies in your area and they'll say pick one or contact one, right? And they can pick you. So yeah. And then they, they can contact me. Well, so what we do is, so what they do is once you contact the agency, the state will then send the agency paperwork saying, this is your client. They have this many hours. They need a caregiver. Then it is upon the agency to find a caregiver for that client. Right. So it could be as I've seen as low as nine hours, I've seen as many as 36 or 37 hours a week. It's just depending on what the client's needs are at that time. And when it comes to ongoing, a lot of the times they'll do like a yearly evaluation. So after a year, the uh, caseworker will come by or just give the client a call saying, how's everything going? You still have the same diagnosis problems, things like that. Sometimes, you know, with people's health, sometimes their health might deteriorate. If their health does deteriorate, there might be an increase in hours, which, which makes sense. But if there's no deterioration in health, it's kind of the same. They kind of keep the same level of hours, but this, the state does come in every year to um, reevaluate. It's called a reevaluation. They come in to reevaluate if they still need services and all and all that. So okay, and like you said, they don't look at the income. Like they don't assess like, oh, your kids look like they have the means to take care of you. They don't need money. They don't make a determination. It's like not. That. It's not about. It's not about the the services. The services are particularly for the client okay. so they don't look at the income of the children now they could in particular the client could live with the child the child could be well off to do now sometimes that child because they're living with them might not be eligible to be their caregiver but not everyone in their family lives at that home there could be other people outside the home other friends other family that could still be caregivers for that person because they're you know they come to visit all the time to be caregivers yeah like so it's not a, or something okay exactly so it's not a matter of how much the children or family makes it's a matter of much how much that individual makes they might be retired and they just get social security um kind of thing they might be disabled and they get some type of disability they're not able to work and because of that this program is available for them to get the caregiving that they need for these activities so does this work also like, let's say the parents, they get into bad health and they need a lot of care. Someone could choose this instead of putting the parents in a nursing home, for example, like how complex can it get? Like, does there get to a point where it's like they need so much care that it's more than we're able to give? 
Now, sometimes there's like a, a spectrum or like a, a scale of that where it could go. So sometimes they could be a point where they're not so bad that they need to go into assisted living or hospice, but they still need help at home. That's where we come in. Now, if their situation progresses and gets worse, I'm always honest with my clients. I might say to them, hey, we're still going to give you the service that we need allotted by the state. They only tell us to work so many hours, but maybe you might want to look into hospice care. And, I, and of course, um, me being in home health, I've partnered with many other agencies that specialize in hospice or specialize in assist things like that, that I would get them in contact with, or they can find their own to get in contact with to see what level that they need. Because for me, it's about what does the client want, right? This is about them, what their comfort level might be. If they're comfortable with where they are right now with the caregiving services, we'll provide those caregiving services. If they feel that they need more than what we can offer, we'll find them an alternative to what they have right now to fill those needs that they have. So if I wanted, could a step be to get in touch with you and then you can help us through that process of filling out whatever applications and paperwork and things like that. Is yes. That, let's say someone wants to get started. What do they do? So if someone, so if someone wanted to get started in this, their head is spinning because they don't know where to start. They don't know who to talk to, what thing like that. So what I would do, definitely get in contact with me. I get you all the way from part A, which is pretty much calling. There's like a intake line to call them to say, hey, this is the situation. We need someone to evaluate you all the way to when you do get services. Or if you don't get services or you don't qualify, which, you know, I don't see a lot, but it, it could happen. I can still point you in the right direction or have what other options you might need or have for whatever situation you might have. So, um, yeah. So if you don't know what to do, if you want more information on that or where to get started, you can absolutely give me a call and I'll help you on that journey for that. And you help people all over Texas. So, yeah. So. I help people all of my territory is called Region 6, which is basically Harris County and all the bordering counties like Walker, Waller, Matagorda County, Brazoria County, Fort Bend, like all the surrounding counties, right? And that's called Region 6, pretty much Southeast Texas. But if someone does need assistance on how to get part of these programs in other parts of the state, absolutely, I can help them with that and maybe get them in contact with another agency that does serve that area. But my area, if you wanted services from my company, would have been region six in those counties. You can point in. Well, thank you so much for being here. And those of you watching, I'll put his information in the notes and the comments below so you can contact him. But I was floored when you told me this. I was like, are you kidding me? There's money for people. And by the way, if you're thinking if you can get pre-approved and have used this income for a loan, the answer is yes, as long as it has a two-year history and it's likely to continue. So we'd look at the average of the past few years. So if it's a material amount enough to help you qualify for a home, it might be eligible to be counted. So thank you very much, Ugo. I really appreciate your time today. And thanks for watching, everybody. Absolutely. Everyone follow me on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and just give me a call and uh, our website as well. But thank you so much. Jen, for having me, it was a pleasure, and I'm hoping to help as many people as I can. You got it. Thank you for listening to the Loan with Jen podcast. Keep joining me each week to stay up to date on the mortgage industry as I'll dive into relevant topics so your home financing process, whether you're buying or refinancing, is smooth and simple. If you enjoyed today, please click follow and that way you'll never miss an episode. To find us on social media, just go to Loan with Jen on any of the social media handles, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. 
Thanks for tuning in this week for Real Facts, No BS. Talk soon. Mm-hmm.